Well, it is another Terminello take. I can't believe this is take five, Lou Terminello. Alex Garrett, good to be with you. So where do we start? I think the obvious thing is is actually, uh, we've had it, said it before, you've worked with the Nets before, uh, your former employer. Because as a sports executive and as an executive with the Nets, I mean, seeing what's happening with this team must be a bit heartbreaking for you, knowing that you've been involved with this organization at one time. Yes, uh, actually, uh, it's been it's been a while. It's been uh, I left there at the end of 2008, December of 2008. But uh, I still had some friends there, and the Nets uh, are always near and dear to me. And I, I hate to see what's what's happening to them, but uh, uh, a lot of it was predictable, and a lot of it is really convoluted, and um, it's. I don't know where it's going to end up, Alex. I wish I can, I can give you uh, some kind of clarity how it's going to look like in a couple of weeks, in a couple of days, in a couple of months. Um, obviously, the first casualty after, after Saturday night with uh, Kyrie and the ESPN reporter um, going at it post-game is, is Steve Nash. Uh, I, didn't, I did not think... Uh, Nash was a great bench coach. Um, I really thought at the end of last season when uh, they were swept by Boston, um, they would they would re- relieve him of his duties, but they didn't. And, uh, you know, then they went through the, the offseason, as you know, uh, trade demands and Kyrie uh, opted in, which – I really didn't think he was going to, and really for the benefit of the Nets, it would have been better if he opted out. Um, and uh, so that, that hurt them. But, uh, you know, looking where they are now, it, it's, really a, it, it's really a difficult situation. They fired Nash, or he was let go by mutual decision. Uh, you know, Kyrie hasn't apologized for what was said on Saturday night or and he went at it with the reporter and the reporter pounded him. And again, I always love in those post-game press conferences to talk about the game, but uh, Kyrie could have said, Hey, I made a mistake. Uh, and he didn't. And uh, he's stubborn and uh, he's a great basketball player, but the Nets knew that what they were getting. And I guess um, to get a great player like Durant, and they knew they were going to have to take Kyrie with his warts, and he's had them. Uh, it's worth the risk. And two years ago, if Kyrie doesn't uh, twist his ankle, and if Harden doesn't have his hamstring injury, the Nets win uh, the the NBA championship. Even Reggie Miller last night, who was eloquent in being critical of Kyrie, said, um, "If that didn't happen, they're going to be Atlanta in the conference finals." They, were, they had waxed Milwaukee in that series and then lost in game seven by, in overtime. Uh, they would have beaten Phoenix in the finals. So they would have gotten what they wanted out of it. But Lou, you're right. I mean, look, we were, I was at that game where they, you know, they literally uh, had 100 points, 125, and Kyrie actually scored the 100th point. And they go into Milwaukee, and him being stepped on changed the series entirely as did the disappearance of Joe Harris. Right, Joe Harris had a terrible postseason. 
Um, but uh, I still think that they would have been able to win, you know, win that year. And then, hey, everything would be okay. We took the, we took the risk and we got the reward. Well, now, again, unfortunately, injuries happen. They didn't get the reward. And uh, the risk was still there. And, um, you know, uh, the Kyrie situation is now is out of control. And uh, the best thing would be, obviously, I don't know what they can do now during the middle of the year cap-wise, if they cut them, uh, if they trade them. I don't know the ramifications of that because the NBA cap is so sophisticated and convoluted. Um, so, so, so we'll see. But then, after they fire Marks, uh, head coach Udoka seems to be the leading candidate who is being suspended for the year from the Boston Celtics for all kinds of sexual harassment and other improprieties. Uh, I know that he's a good coach. Obviously, he turned the Celtics around the second half of the season. They weren't very good in the first half last year, and then went on an amazing run and came within two games of winning the NBA championship. I don't know if, you know, having him as the coach is going to wash away all of the, the stains that are on this net situation. Well, there are a lot, and I was talking to my dad about this, and he said, well, you know, they probably fired Nash now with about 75 games left to at least maybe try and rectify the ship early in November. I mean, this is the earliest I can remember a coach being fired, and this goes, in my memory goes back to when Kiki Vandeweghe led an 0-19 team, and he wasn't really, was he fired during that stretch? I don't think so. I think he was on the bench for that nine, that record-setting well, loss. Well, uh, you're partially right. Um they they started 0 and 18, but Lawrence Frank was the coach. He was fired in Los after in Los Angeles. Uh, the late Tom Maurice, who was the assistant coach, uh, coached the uh, coached after that, and then Kiki took over, and that that was that was just a mess. That that was just, a, but that was just a mess of ineptitude. The players there just wasn't enough players. This is a mess that is just. Uh, of a different caliber. I mean, Kyrie is a tremendous basketball player. Bob Cousy, he's 92 years old, and uh, called him one of the top five point guards of all time. But again, if he his talent is just blunted by all of his idiosyncrasies, his uh, just weirdness. It really, you know, it's a shame because he's a, he's a fantastic, fantastic guard. I mean, did you see this coming aside from the Kyrie? If, if he didn't tweet this anti-Semitic situation, you know, a tweet and whatnot, and if he wasn't Kyrie, uh, uncontrollable, you know, right? Was he out anyway, Steve Nash? I mean, two and five, record oh, aside, that's just been, awful. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, I think he might have been out. I had, I had uh, told some of my... Uh, friends, that if the Nets get off to nine and uh, nine and eleven start, even eleven and nine, something like that, after twenty games, I think he'll be out. Um, I did not think that he would be here for the season. Like I said, Hall of Fame player. I never saw him make a diff. I never saw him win one game for the Nets. Coaches do win games. I know the NBA is different right now. Uh, the NBA is a players' league. The Nets gave up the keys to the kingdom when they uh, signed Durant and, and Irving. 
Um, again, I don't know if they, you know, you always hear, well, they fired Kenny Atkinson. I don't know if that's true. Um, I don't know if Kenny Atkinson really uh, wanted to coach them or even wanted to be a head coach. It's easy to be the assistant coach on a team like the Golden State Warriors uh, than to be a head coach in, in the modern NBA. Uh, he, he had a four-year deal that he agreed to with the Charlotte Hornets last year and then decided to go back to Golden State. I don't know what happened there, but there's only so many jobs in the NBA, only 30, and it's hard to turn one down. Plus the fact that the Charlotte Hornets have a pretty decent, you know, a pretty decent nucleus. It wasn't like he was going to uh, a team that won 15, 16 games last year. Well, I'm not sure where they go from here. I know that, you know, they had some sign of hope last night, but then the Bulls pulled away, right? And so, uh, I don't... Yeah, they actually showed, they, you're, you're right, they actually showed some signs of life, um, camaraderie, chemistry, uh, for the first three quarters. And then Zach Levine just went crazy. And uh, the Bulls, who are in a good fourth quarter offensive team, uh, outscoring, I believe, it was 31-17 to 17 in the fourth quarter. So, again, the Nets have a lot of problems. They're not going to be, get resolved right away. Uh, besides the chemistry problem, the coach's problem, who's running the show problem, uh, they are too small. They don't have a rim protector. They had one in Jared Allen, a young rim protector that, was, that came up through the Nets system. They drafted him brilliantly by Sean Marks, who went from a brilliant general manager to now has to try to uh, uh, try to clean up this mess. And uh, uh, he's going to hurt his reputation. He has already hurt his reputation. So, uh, but they, uh, the, the, the James Harden trade, and I know James Harden played great when they got him, but I don't know if he was really needed. They, they gave up a lot. They gave up a lot. They gave up Travis LeVert. They gave up uh, Jared Allen, who just signed a long-term contract with the Cavaliers. He was an all-star last year. He was a rim protector. I mean, he was a great shot blocker. And the kid just wanted to play basketball. No drama with Jared Allen. No drama with Travis LeVert. Um, I, think they, I don't think they needed Harden. Harden, to his credit, played great for the Nets. But he was, he out was of healthy shape. <laughs> when he was healthy. Yeah, but, they, but he was still a little bit out of shape because he wanted to get out of the Houston. And then uh, uh, he pulled his hamstring in uh, the, the first minute of the Milwaukee series. So, I, again, I have no definitive answers of what's going to happen. But I am shocked at the first name to come up <laughs> after Nash uh, was let go was Coach Udoka. Who just got well, suspended. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, and he just got and suspended, I, hear I believe. That he can yell at Tyree and Durant and anybody, and he gets their ear. But it's it, this is an issue. It's an NBA. It's an NBA issue. Look what's happening in Los Angeles. Yeah. Look what look, yeah. LeBron James is. I mean, they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Um, they're one in five. Last year they were terrible. Uh, I don't know. It, it's it, it's really perplexing. And they've me. had their share of personnel issues coaching-wise, haven't they? Now, I've, I've got to yeah, ask I mean, you this, though. because Bobo wins a championship in the bubble, and now he's gone. That's something. <laughs> now, what about this idea? Like, we all covet the closed-door meeting drama. Like, oh, what was behind the closed-door meeting? And then sometimes it just doesn't work out. You can have a, as many closed-door meetings well, as possible, but uh, this one seemed to did not work at all. 
Well, I, I, uh, I think there was a couple of, I don't know if there would be, if there would have been a closed door meeting. I don't think they knew that Nash was being fired. The closed door meeting actually did work a little bit on Monday night because on Saturday night was an embarrassing performance by the Nets. They were disinterested. Nobody was picking up their man. There was one thing that I still, when I was watching, uh, um, Kyrie, I believe it was Kyrie's man. I believe it was Kyrie's man, uh, was left open in the corner in front of the Nets bench for a three wide open. And he made it. And the Durant looked at, uh, at coach Nash, like what's going on here. So that Saturday night was pathetic. So I understand why they had uh, a closed door meeting. I have no idea what, Went on in that closed door meeting, but on on Monday night they did come out. They got off to to a twenty four point lead. Indiana did come back, but then that did prevail. Last night they actually played pretty well for three quarters, and then they just fell they fell apart. I don't know if this team's roster is good enough. I really don't. Now the good thing is Kyrie has whether whatever's going to happen to Kyrie if he's going to be suspended, um, if he's going to be Traded, which I don't think so. Uh, he's going. To, this is the last year that Kyrie owns any opt-outs in his contract. The Nets aren't going to re-sign him. That's for sure. So we'll see what they're going to do. Are they going to trade Durant? I don't think so. First of all, Durant is still playing at a very high level, as is Kyrie. But uh, Durant just wants to play basketball. Uh, and I, I don't think that uh, they tried to trade him in the offseason – and there really wasn't the package that they wanted. And I agree with the Nets. You don't, you don't want to uh, just give it away, a talent like that. So, so we'll see. Well, you know what's funny? When Reggie you... Miller, like I said, was succinct in his criticism of Kyrie. Uh, I thought that uh, the gentleman on the TNT pregame show, Shaq, uh, Kenny Smith, and Barkley, were all, all uh, um, accurate in their uh, criticism. Uh, Shaq is really measured when he speaks. Uh, Barkley, sometimes not. But they were all on, they were all on point. And uh, again, Alex, I have no idea where this is, where this is going to end up. Well, it's um, funny. When you, just said, when you just said to me, well, you know, uh, the good news is, and I'm like, you're going to say the Knicks are doing just as bad, aren't you? Because uh, the Knicks have had some rough losses here, and it's just been very... Uh, very disappointing in, in a sense, has it not? You, you mean as far as they're, they're three and three? What are they three and three? Yeah, I but mean, they've had some tough losses. They, I mean, they they should have beat Cleveland the other night, and they let Cleveland pull away from them. That's I did catch well, that a bit on I, Sunday. Apparently, they played well for three quarters, and then Cleveland uh, uh, pulled away in the fourth quarter. Then the Knicks, the Knicks right now are not as good as Cleveland, um, and they're not. They're definitely not as good as Milwaukee. So um, the Knicks are going to win. I'm going to guess, unless they make a trade with this roster, they're going to win anywhere between 39 and 44 games. Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, look, the the, the Thibodeau uh, experiment's going to have a couple more years here, but I think this is the key year for them, isn't it? Yeah, no, I would say it is. It's a a key year. Um, And... uh, uh, we'll see. I mean, these young guys got can't be called young guys anymore. They got to get to the uh, to the next level. It's like third year for Obi, I think, if I'm not mistaken, already. 
Pardon me? This is like the third year for Obi Toppin already. I mean, he's yes, not a is. kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I mean, it's time to, to get going. And uh, the, Brunson, I mean, they overpaid for Brunson, but Brunson's an improvement. But uh, he's not Damian Lillard. He's not Kyrie Irving talent-wise. <laughs> the only thing is you're not going to get any drama with Brunson as far as anything controversial. Um, and his father's also uh, an assistant coach on the Knicks, so, <laughs> you know, that, that helps. Uh, you know, so... Uh, it's funny to me, right? We, we've seen now, we went through October with the Mets having a certain kind of stage with their wildcard series... The Yanks having a stage. And then, of course, they're off the stage now. And the Giants and Jets, let's just say it. And I know you're going to say, well, the Giants played okay. I considered Sunday a dud for a 6-1 and one start. I know we, it's good that they're going to their bye week and into November 6-2. and two. That's an improvement. But they could have pulled out something different in Seattle. It didn't, it didn't sit right with me that they lost the way they did. And the Jets, I don't know. I mean, their questions are about Zach Wilson, but we talk about it week after week. You got to give them more time here. Well, unfortunately, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Giants first. Um, that was a great opportunity for the Giants to win. Seattle is okay. I mean, they're, they're okay, but they're on the road in a very difficult place to win. That stadium is crazy, and they love their, uh, they love their Seahawks. Um, the Giants just didn't do anything offensively. They just didn't. Uh, they didn't sustain drives. Let's face it. If uh, they don't recover the fumble at the two-yard line, they may not have scored a touchdown. The Gi- Giants' touchdown was a two-yard, a two-yard drive. Uh, Seattle, they're okay. I mean, I am surprised that Geno Smith has played so well for them. He throws a beautiful ball, and he's worked hard. He's in his 10th year. I got to give the guy a lot of credit. He's worked hard. He never got down on himself. And there's a chance that uh, Seattle might make the NFC playoffs. That's a, that, that will be a tremendous feather in uh, Pete Carroll's cap. One of his best coaching jobs. Well, yeah, for the for you know losing Russell, right? Losing Russ and having to coup, recoup with Gino, who of course we saw here, and of course the media was not a fan of him. The Jet fans were not a fan of him, but now he's in a different environment, and it seems to have been helping him. Now, while we stream football, I want to get to the Jets also. But after the Jets, let's talk about Snyder because he really might be out of Washington once and for all. I, I want to get your take on that after you break down the Jets weekend. Right. Now, the Jet game Sunday was very winnable, and uh, I was disappointed that, that they didn't win. The Jets have a good roster. It's not a Super Bowl con- roster, but they have, they've done a good job in a short period of time of upgrading the talent level. They have good wide receivers. They have a good defensive front, which has got, and their defense has gotten better since the beginning of the year, which is only seven, eight weeks ago. Um, I was disappointed in the second half of Wilson. Um, he still looks like he's not ready to uh, to be a number one quarterback. I mean, that throw in the first half, that 54-yard throw, um, was was beautiful. There's just not enough of it. And I think he leaves the pocket too early. And uh, I was I would have pulled him in the th- I would have pulled him in the in the third quarter just to settle down. You know, as they say, he's always playing with his hair on fire. And just just to settle down. And um, 
I was surprised when I saw at 12 o'clock, when I, when I got the scratches, I saw that Joe Flacco wasn't active because I would, you know, I would have preferred to have Joe Flacco in there to try to win the game. I, I know he's not going to be your quarterback. And I don't mean to start the game. You have to start Wilson. But I mean, when Wilson had the, the happy feet in the, second, in the second half and threw those two terrible interceptions, one of them when he was trying to throw away, and I knew he was trying to throw it away, and, he, and it was intercepted um, right at the sideline. But, uh, uh, but Mike White is now looks like the permanent uh, second-string quarterback, which is going to be tougher for Wilson because the fans are going to say, put Mike White in, put Mike White in. They've told, they said that over Flacco. How about that, right? So, right, right, hey, yep. Mm-hmm. You're not wrong there. And by the way, if they had Flacco in the second half the other day, you pull, you pull a kid out, even if you pull a kid out just for the rest of the game. You can't, you can't name Flacco your starting quarterback. But just to calm down, that was a winnable game. Plus the fact, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to say anything that, uh, uh, you know, controversial, but those were two horrible calls in the first half on the Jets. Uh, on C.J. Mosley, uh, it was fourth and one from their own 19, and they called him for a late hit when Jones ran out of the pocket. That wasn't a late hit. And even uh, on that roughing, that so-called roughing the passer, they were saying that John Franklin Myers launched and hit him. He didn't hit him in the head. Pushed him in the back. This kid's 6'4". He's a, he, you know, he's a big guy. He threw the pass. The penalty had nothing to do with the pass interception that would have put the Jets up seventeen to three. I know people are going to disagree with me, and I'm not saying I'm not I'm not making a definitive statement on this. But maybe we have to look at a booth review, not its coach's challenge, a booth review for uh, for roughing the passer, because that was not roughing the passer. Uh, right, and I told you I this before. To We're gonna... Troy Aikman said a couple of weeks ago because the guy I'm in trouble, but Troy Aikman is right. <laughs> we're 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 gonna watch him do the roughing the runner. That's that's the next one you see, right? So well, that's uh, basically what happened with with uh, Matt Jones the other day. It's gonna be a roughing the runner yeah. because they're they're just going and clamping down unnecessarily. Even the Mariners got a flag on Sunday. How about that? Uh, <laughs> hey, I, that, that was that was great. How yeah. about, but but you know, Lou, I hear you totally on the on the Mariner bench for <laughs> coming out of the restricted area. <laughs> you know, Lou, I hear you're so disappointed. You're wearing a Josh Allen shirt because you're uh, you're excited to see what the Bills are doing right now. Well, that's the that's the other thing. Uh, it, to win and go to six and two. You, you, you can uh, uh, absorb a loss to what is clearly the best team in the NFL, the Buffalo Bills. And I was watching postgame on Sunday night after the Bills had really no trouble being the Packers, but they were up 24 to 7 in the second, in the second quarter. And then I think Allen threw an interception near the goal line. Um, and I didn't watch the fourth quarter. But I saw the postgame press conference the next morning and how upset Josh Allen was. So they won easily. They were never really threatened. It was 27 to 10. And then before they made it 27 to 17, um, they, uh, they did just enough things that they have to correct or, as they say in football, clean things up to make it really hard for the Jets this week. The Jets are 12 and a half point underdogs at home. Uh, that – 
that shows you the discrepancy between the two rosters. And uh, Sunday will not be a will not be a pretty day for the Jets. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't see it. As Vince Lombardi would say about the Packers, what the hell is going on out there, though? Seriously, <laughs> exactly right? I heard you in the background. I mean, seriously, what is going on with that with that team? Is Aaron Rodgers is his Zen mode not working for him? Is his new haircut not working for him? Like, what is going on? Well, with I, I'm not going to I'm not going to put the blame on on Aaron Rodgers. They have no playmakers. They have none, and I cannot believe. And this year we had. More trades at the trade deadline yesterday than probably in the last half dozen, maybe 10 years. There's usually not a lot of action at the NFL trade deadline. And um, they, they did not pick up a wide receiver. They didn't, they, they didn't do anything. They did, not, they did nothing to help Aaron Rodgers. Let's face it, he's your best player. They never, they never replaced Devontae Adams. They have no playmakers. It's uh, it you is. Know, you can have the greatest mm-hmm. quarterback, but and he'll cover up some of the inequities on the team, but he's help. And they but, have no. Plus the fact their defense, which uh, uh, was supposed to be top notch, is not. Is not top notch. No, and now, by right the way, now in the NFL, mm-hmm. these are the these are the these are the teams. Break it down for me, Lou. Buffalo is number one. I'm going to still put Kansas City number two. The Eagles are the best team in the NFC, obviously. They're 7-0. But remember, the Arizona Cardinals are 7-0 also. So take it with a, you know, with a grain of salt. I think the Eagles are very good, and they upgraded their team, um, getting Quinn from Chicago to help on their, on their, on their line, on their defensive line. Um, but there's one team that I think can – also enter those top three, the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously getting Christian McCaffrey was an incredible stroke of genius for the 49ers. Um, he threw a, pe- a touchdown pass Sunday. He ran for one. He caught. He made a great catch for one. He's a great player. He's the best all-around running back in the NFL. The guy gets hurt a lot, like a lot of these running backs do. But what, they've had a lot of injuries to their defensive line. If they can just get a little healthy and continue to uh, incorporate guys like McCaffrey into the offense, which they already have, and continue to get more familiar, familiarity, more chemistry, I think they can elevate into there could be four outstanding teams in pro football. Uh, but besides that... Oh, and what about the Vikings? Aren't they having a, an incredible year also? Yeah, well, the Vikings are six and one. I'm not afraid of them. The Bills would kill them. the The, the Chiefs would 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 win easily. I assume the the, well, the Eagles would be favored. Uh, yeah, they they've been okay. I mean, I think obviously I think they're going to win the division. Uh, let's face it, you're in a division with the Green Bay Packers having an off year, the pathetic uh, Detroit Lions, and the and the bad Chicago Bears, Vikings, unless they have a total collapse or unless Kirk Cousins gets hurt, they're winning the division. I hate to sound cliche here, but they and the Eagles will be dancing on their own in their divisions as far as I could see right now. (laughs) Uh, No, I I don't think the Giants could catch the Eagles. I really, and I'm a Giant fan, as you know, but I don't think they could catch the Eagles. The Eagles, 
just uh, Jalen Hurts seems to be the real deal, and that team is <laughs> like annihilating, annihilating everybody every week. Are they not? They are. And the thing about Jalen Hurts, and I know we 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 get too much attention and credit and too much attention and blame to the quarterback position. But Jalen Hurts is in his third year, and I know he didn't play a lot his first year. Um, he's improved his throwing 100%, plus the fact they have great receivers. they got a good offensive line. Uh, they got a, a defense that uh, is scary. Um, no, that, I, I can't see the Eagles not winning the division. All right, let, let's go from the Lombardi Trophy to the Heisman. I mean, this is kind of where the crux of my show I want it to be today because, as you might have seen, I got a picture with the Heisman, which is right downstairs from your former office. Yes, and right my... downstairs in uh, the uh, the building where we used to work. And, and... We used to work there. I used to work there. Right, and so I went there and I said, can I get a picture? They're like, sure. So I rolled in next to the Heisman and I got my photo op. And then they gave me this journal. It was actually the Heisman journal they give out every awards dinner. And I started looking at this. I said, wait a minute. What we, the fans, are looking at is who's going to be the one? Who? What are the odds? The Heisman watch. But behind the scenes, do you know they've donated 20-plus million dollars uh, up to date, I believe. I mean, this is, this is a few years going now to different charities. And they've helped many people's lives, even female sports lives and... They have a high school scholarship too, a Heisman high school scholarship. Did you know any of that, Lou? Uh, about- you know something? I really didn't. And the thing is, I am surprised it hasn't gotten that over the years, hasn't gotten more notoriety. I mean, that is really, it's not just one or two foundations or scholarships. It's a lot. It's the Heisman I mean, Trophy that is, Trust. That is, that is so. quite commendable of the... Uh, the Heisman, the Downtown Athletic Club, and the Heisman Trophy com- uh, Committee. And it's amazing. The DAC actually folded in '02, and who came up and and threw it? Well, they created the Heisman Trophy Trust out of that collapse. And so, you know, actually, the president of NBC for New York, uh, Frank Comerford, his brother Michael, is the president of the Heisman Trophy. Fund. I mean, the connections that I found just looking through this little journal and. The humanitarians, if you checked them out, Lou, are baseball guys and NASCAR guys like Jeff Gordon, Mark Teixeira, Curtis Granderson. I mean, these are this is a thing beyond just every December who gets the Heisman. I think that's really impressive to me. No, I, I totally agree. Uh, the, um, the Heisman Trophy is the most prestigious award uh, in college football, and uh, it was always a highlight every December to see who's going to win it. Now, do I think the person who wins the Heisman is the best player in college football? I don't know. But it goes to the most outstanding, uh, most valuable. I think they, they, they uh, put all that together. Now, when it first started, because obviously there was no national TV and there was no Internet and anything like that, the Heisman Trophy was only, for, only eligible for college football players with colleges located east of the Mississippi, and then it it, it uh, became a coast-to-coast thing as the country shrunk because of uh, communications. 
Yeah, and now there's about four finalists, a, four finalists a year. They all come up here for a, a big dinner and whatnot, and it just it seems like a fun event. And I, I, I would love to go there one day. Who knows? We'll see. I can't believe you haven't already been there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, so on that note, you know, I just it, it was just something. Well, who to do you note. think is going to win the Heisman? Because I have a feeling the quarterback of Tennessee. Uh, is going to win it. Uh, Hendon Hooker, the quarterback. Look at that, right? I mean, that that whole volunteer program in three weeks has gone national in their notoriety and their noticeability and whatever. I mean, all the social media's users are talking about them. I mean, they're they're a team. Of course, C.J. Stroud, I'm also keeping an eye on. Mm -hmm. And Uh, I would say he's also uh, a candidate for sure. They could have folded against Penn State. They did not. Penn State should have. I thought they could have come away with a victory there, but then Ohio State did what they do best and ran away with it, right? So, and, and here's the funny you thing: know, I, I think Ohio State right now is the best team in the nation. Um, but uh, this week, this week is is very very interesting. Tennessee at Georgia. Ooh, and that I mean, take down could, a number one. Who can clinch it? If Tennessee wins at Georgia, Hooker can cl- will clinch the Heisman Trophy. Right, because that would also take down a number one. It would take down Georgia. It would just be be a thing, almost like when Georgia would take down Alabama in, in many ways, right? right? So uh, we'll, we'll have to see there. And then, of course, and they're kind of quiet. I mean, I get my notifications from them. But, but Michigan, I mean, they're doing things even without their main guy, McNamara. It's really interesting how he's putting these wins together week after week. Well, I saw the first college football playoff rankings, and I really had no trouble with the three teams that are in there. Uh, but I, you know, I but uh, Tennessee, Georgia, Ohio State, but the fourth team, Clemson, I was surprised. I mean, I know they're undefeated, but they're not. They're not Clemson. They're not a vintage Clemson team. I thought Michigan at right now would be the. Uh, would be the uh, fourth school in top four. They undoubtedly, I mean, they should beat Rutgers this weekend, right? I mean. Oh, my God. Rutgers has no quarterback. I mean, Seattle's done a good job of upgrading the talent level to Big Ten talent. But they, Rutgers has no quarterback. They, they, uh, Seattle has to uh, recruit a quarterback. They should have beaten, Rutgers should have beaten uh, Minnesota at home. They should have beaten Iowa at home. But uh, they, ha- they, had, they had no quarterback. They can't move to football. And I know that they have some running back injuries now. Uh, uh, Michigan's 27-point favorite. They probably will cover. On the road, Michigan's 26-and-a-half-point favorite. Meanwhile, I, I said this the other day. I was hoping – I know we carry Syracuse, but I was sort of hoping Notre Dame would get at least inching the ward bowl eligible. They may not make a bowl this year, but they had a convincing win, a little bit of one anyway, up in Syracuse. Oh, they did. That was a good win for Notre Dame, and I think they will make a bowl game. And it's a big game coming up. They play Clemson Saturday night. That's a that's a big game at at South Bend, and um, uh, if and Notre Dame can beat Clemson, and if they do, Clemson's out of the playoff. That I can tell you, things will take care of itself. There'll be some upsets along the way. Not upsets. There'll be some you know wins and losses. There might be an, uh, an upset, but this Clemson, if Clemson loses on on Saturday night. I don't think they can recoup a playoff spot. And then Alabama, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking forward to the Auburn 
Alabama Iron Bowl, right? I mean, that's what we're looking forward to. Uh, much like well, OSU, Michigan. I, I don't know. I, I feel like Alabama still has vulnerabilities, don't they? And Bryce isn't entirely healthy. They do. They do have. Uh, and and uh, Alabama has been fortunate. They should have outright lost to Texas. Not could have, yeah. should have. They should have lost to Texas. Texas should have won that game. Uh and they could have. They came within one play of losing to Texas A&M, which was not having a good year. Uh, and Jimbo Fisher is in, you know, has his own issues, but uh, trying to get that team to where he wants to in the SEC. But um, now Alabama's been pretty lucky. But if Alabama runs the table, they win against LSU Saturday night, and LSU's playing better under, with, under Brian Kelly's first year. Ah, Brian um, Kelly, that name now. I just... I, I, I will never respect someone who leaves a team before a big bowl game, a playoff game, actually, by the way, and uh, it just says, no, I'm going to LSU. I just, he bothers me, and every time LSU loses, internally I take a little pride in that. To be well, I think they're going to lose on Saturday night because I think Alabama is still going to beat them, even though I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a tough game. But I think Alabama is going to win. But if Alabama runs the table, wins yeah. the SEC championship game, What's that going to do to the playoffs? Oh. Can you keep the SEC champion out? Uh, you can't. The SEC is. You mean I if guess, Tennessee the wins it is what you're saying, the best right? Conference along with the Big Ten. You're saying Tennessee happens to pull that off, right? Because that's well, t- tennis, Tennessee. Tennessee has. If the Tennessee loses on on Saturday, I don't think they make the playoffs. Boy, they because would be a shakeup. Uh, win the East. I, I don't and, know when the last time they were down there. You know, I don't know when. I, I, I It's been a long time that Tennessee's been even involved in the NCAA championship. Well, they've had, they went through a lot of coaches. And uh, they had a chance to get Greg Schiano a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, some st- student body organization or didn't right. want them to sign Schiano because he was uh, a graduate assistant <laughs> at Penn State during all the turmoil with Jerry Sandusky and the sexual harassment stuff. But one little, one thing that was going to happen, now a lot of people don't know, that uh, uh, Greg Schiano, who was the defensive coordinator at Ohio State, was going to bring Joe Burrow with him to Tennessee. The things that could have been, right, Louis? Absolutely. One last note, uh, uh, maybe a generic prediction here, because... Uh, you know, Phillies look great. They had a great game three. I just, um, I don't see them wrapping it up anytime soon. I think there's going to still be a longer series, even though they were convincing down in Philly. Well, that was quite a power show they put on last night. And I agree with you. I don't think, I don't think uh, the Astros are going to die quickly. Um, but five home runs in a World Series game, it's one, pretty impressive. One thousand. And that stadium uh, is crazy. <laughs> uh, they are, you know, the Philadelphia fans, whether it's Eagles, for the Flyers, for uh, the Sixers, when they get into it, uh, there's few, few like them. I know, I know sometimes they go a little bit over the line, but they do support their team at home. Um, Christian Javier tonight, a hard-throwing pitcher. Let's see if that changes. Last night you had Lance McCullers who only throws fastballs 20% of the time. Does that affect the Philly bats? I don't know. Uh, Aaron Nola 
Um, you know, has had a good postseason. I know there was one game where he got got hit hard, but the, what the Astros need, they they got to get Altuve mm-hmm. and they got to get Jordan Alvarez to hit. Hey Lou, how about this one? One thousand World Series home runs plus now, obviously, but yeah, one thousand. How about that? And you know, it's funny. Now I was it's thinking, bomb. I was thinking, you know, the first one in November happened to be Derek Jeter in two thousand one. Here we are. 22 21 years later and the first homer in you know the second homer in November is the series 1000 it just kind of feels synchronicity oh yeah that that is uh and the fact that Kevin Long was the Yankee head hitting coach was the Met hitting coach and the fact that Robbie Thompson has ties to the Yankees as that coach oh and David Roberts in the closer I mean all of this is like we at least have some contingents uh from the Yankees and Mets getting their revenge on the Astros I see it. Yeah, no, I mean it's it, it's it, the way things are intertwined. Uh, it's it's crazy in sports, but uh, should be interesting. It took an I mean, eighteen. Wheeler, mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. It's going to pitch tomorrow night. They say he had oh, to pitch tonight, but his arm was a little tired. That's a little little uh, scary at the stage of the year. Arm for arm fatigue. Um, you're rooting for again, who now, though? Like, uh, who are you rooting for ultimately? I, I really, I really don't care. I mean, I, uh, the Phillies are a great story. The Astros did win 106 games over a 162 game season. The Phillies only won 87. Uh, that's a huge difference. But you, do you so, root for like guys uh, like Syndergaard and Wheeler who did produce for the Mets, and it just it wasn't really their I, own I choice. Really, they let them, I, I, once you once you leave the teams I root for, I seldom have uh, allegiance. The, really, the only guy I ever root for after he left one of my teams is when the Mets made the ig- ignorant, stupid trade on June fifteenth, 1977, when they let the great Tom Seaver go to Cincinnati. All right, because you ended up at the 300th game for him at the, as a White Sox, I did. right? Yeah. I was at the 300th game when they beat the White Sox on full day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was, that was quite a game. And one last thing about ties. It took me uh, to see an 18-inning Mariner game to realize Manny Acta was the third base coach. And the funny thing is, as you know, I threw the first pitch out at Shea, and he was the coach I threw it to. So, like, it oh, just, really? I didn't know that. It, it's really, I didn't yeah. know he was the coach. He almost became Met manager on, on one of these Met manager openings. I forget, I forget who eventually got the job. Well, it wasn't but, when they uh, flew uh, Randolph out there and fired him, was it? No, I think it was after that, but he was one of maybe it was after Jerry Manuel. I'm not sure, but he was he might have been the runner-up, uh, you know, for um, um, the, one of the Met jobs. He's considered a very good baseball man. All right, Lou. Well, I love talking to you as always. I love this take, and uh, we got to do this again next week. I was trying to push it off as long as we could to get as much of the World Series in, but Mother Nature said, nah, you should just go after Game 3 because I'm going to rain out uh, Game 3 on Monday yeah. and just play it Tuesday. Oh, you know? It gives us something to talk about when we get together next week. We'll have a World Series champion. Uh, we'll have the Tennessee-Georgia game to talk about. Uh, we could talk about uh, – we'll, we'll see where what the, the net saga – Right. What's next? Uh, we'll see. And uh, well, I think the Jets' week, build is going to be a, hockey. I just it's think it's a great weekend and week for the Islanders, who turned it around quickly. Um, the, the Devils have won seven out of eight. The Rangers won an, over, an exciting overtime game last night. 
So we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, but the Islanders and Devils, you know what they did? They got two points against the Avalanche while the Rangers only got one. And I was like, the Rangers could have gotten those two points against them. But that's why they play the game. All right, Lou, I will talk to you again next week. Again, Jets-Bills are going to be the big one I'm looking to as well. Um, I think, well, I guess the Bills and Dolphins and also. But I don't know. I just think this this could really be a can-the-Jets-compete kind of game. Well, if the Jets can pull this upset off, it would be the upset of the NFL season. <laughs> yeah, but yep. uh, one last thing that you brought up the Dolphins and it has to be mentioned. The Dolphins are going for it. They're going to they're looking to go deep into the playoffs. Getting Bradley Chubb was a tremendous move for, for them. Uh, they also got Jeff Wilson, a, a a very good running back to give them running back depth. Dolphins are going for it. The AFC I never thought the AFC East was going to be this tough. And is Tua back? I mean, is he is he quarterback again, or what's going on there? Pardon me. Oh, Tua's back. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And he had a brilliant game in Detroit on Sunday. They were down twenty-four to seven, and he had a brilliant game. Oh, he's right. The, the, the Lions blew that one. I forget. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's not a great long ball thrower, Tua, but he's a beautiful short to medium thrower, and uh, he leads his guys beautifully. He played a great game Sunday, and I, I always was a Tua fan. Heisman winner, right? If I'm not mistaken, did he win the Heisman? He did not. He did not. Okay, I thought he might have. I think he was in the running. That's what it was. But oh yeah, I'm sure he was. I don't know. I don't think he won the Heisman. He's another I, guy. He got, you know, he got me. Uh, um, you know what? Before we leave, let's try. Let's take a quick look. Let's just. But see. yeah, I'm very happy about the the Islanders. Uh, um. The Islanders turning it around so quickly. They were they were not being able to score, and now all of a sudden... He did. Have, in 2018, he won the Heisman. Or he was a nominee, I should say. In, okay, yeah. Kyle Murray won in 2018. Wow. It is kind of interesting, though, how all these guys, we bring them up, and they have somehow tied to the Heisman. It just, it's, amazing. it's awesome to hear how that works like that. And... and yep. uh, just shows the just reach, think. man. Before, just before we go, just think how how loaded Alabama was. In the championship game against Georgia, which they won in overtime, Bama did. They took Jalen Hurts out, loose, uh, 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 Nick Saban did, and put Tua in and Tua won the championship for him. I mean, how often do you have two quarterbacks of that caliber now starring in the NFL? Right, and how often is it that a quarterback change gets made like that? I mean, that was almost uh, unprecedented because... <laughs> I was shocked when he did it. Shocked. Uh, right, and then he, and then he, you know, he's a rookie, and he, he came through for Alabama, so that was just... He sure did. Something else. All right, sir, well, we will do this again next week, and uh, we'll keep our eyes on everything sports-oriented and where the Nets go from here, and... And of course, where everything else goes from here, right? So it's a it's ever evolving. This this beautiful game of sports. So always a pleasure, my friend. All right, talk to you, Lou. I'm Alex Garrett, and this has been another sports spotlight with Terminello's take, Lou Terminello.